Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Episode 77 of the Sexplanations podcast. I am here with Dr. Jalen Ricks, who is, oh, so many things to me. But early on in my career as a young sexologist, uh, he was a guiding light of what it could look like to study human sexuality and then turn it into a career. So, hi, Jalen. Hey there, Lindsay. How are you doing? Well, how are you? Good. It's so good to be back on your show. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? So I don't know how this will work if we'll integrate footage from before, but essentially, Jalen and I met up uh, on the Sexplanations road tour and did one of the first recordings of the podcast in the Sexplanations RV on the side of a, a playground kind of park area and I wasn't sure how it was going to work but then it turned into this really sweet experience because an ice cream truck came and parked right next to us so we did our kegels to the sound of the ice cream truck and um, I, I think that the reason why I haven't done a podcast in so long is because I have been grieving the loss of that footage <laughs> or at least part of it. So if, yes. if there's stuff we can use, I will integrate it. And if not, that's okay. We can have a new fun conversation. Sure, 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 sure. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Oh, you are so wonderful. And um, I, I want to share your bio with people because I think it highlights just how cool you are. So here's some things, right? You're a sex educator. You're an author. You wrote Ex Gay No Way, Survival and Recovery from Religious Abuse. And now you're working on another book. You hold a doctorate of education in sexology. And you are also a professor at the the school where I received my doctorate. You maintain a private practice in Palm Springs, which includes personal consulting, sacred intimacy work, and surrogate-style partner experiences. And you've appeared on talk shows like Our America with Lisa Ling, Oprah's Own Channel, ABC News, and the Sexplanations Podcast. Woo! Yay! <laughs> Sounds pretty good when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you are amazing. I'm Thank I'm really you. grateful for you in this world. Um, so I was hoping that um, we could give a shout out to the people who put this together and then talk about the Kinsey College test. Does that work? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, okay, uh, sure. yes. Mm-hmm. So on patreon.com slash explanations podcast, there are many people who support the existence of this Um, opportunity for me to demonstrate what it's like to have sexual conversations with people in an unscripted format, just where we can show off our sex positivity and, and how dialogue and negotiation, all of those things can look with real humans. There are people who really go out of their way to make this possible. I call them the bosses. There's Zip Wah, Ben Trammell, Donna Flint, and the Millers. Thank you to the four, you know, many of you in those families um, who make this possible because now I get to talk to Jalen about the Kinsey College test. Uh, So if you aren't familiar with this or don't remember, my... um, my version of our comprehensive exams at the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, where we attended school, included a question about Kinsey's ability to predict whether or not a young man, young, I think boy, right, if we go with age 16, um, 
would go to college or not based on whether or not he masturbated, whether or not he had nocturnal emissions or wet dreams, etc. And you have done a lot of schooling. You are a, a man. And I just want to know what you think about all of this. You right had, on all accounts. <laughs> so you had a different comprehensive exam question. You didn't have that one. I did not have that question. Um, and um, But I think Kinsey... Kinsey did a lot of wonderful, wonderful things. And granted, he interviewed literally thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people and his colleagues. And so <laughs> I'm sure that they got pretty good at predicting things. But it's a different time than it was back in the 30s and 40s. And a lot more people go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's community college or universities or whatever, uh, or even I suppose business colleges. I mean, where are you going to draw that line? And so, um, you know, <laughs> um, uh, what's what's the saying about uh, guys that masturbate? You know, ninety seven percent admit to it, and the other, the rest of them lie. So you know, you can throw a stone at anybody and pretty much say, "Oh, there you masturbate, and you're going to go to college." So I, you know, I feel like it's a very different time. Um, who knows what Kinsey would say in this day and age um, about that? You know, his his assertion that he could predict those kinds of things. I wonder if it would be more like, oh, now I can predict who's going to go to an Ivy League school or something. I I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. What <laughs> What did you write on your on your your question? Well, so I mean, what okay. was your answer? Here is his quotation. He says, "By taking the sex history of a 16 year old male, I can predict better than any known psychometric test whether or not that male will go to college." And this is from the study of sexual behavior and the human male. And then as part of the comp question, we were supposed to figure out how he was doing this. Like you said, it was a totally different time because we're talking about the 1940s. This is when, you know, half of people didn't have indoor plumbing and the minimum wage was 43 cents. Right. I think, uh, yeah, it's just a very different time. But what I put was able to put together with his research and the different graphs that are there is that educational level. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm looking at my old the transcript <laughs> of an episode on Sexplanation's YouTube channel called Kinsey's College Test, where I explain how all of this works. Mm. So uh, I think what he was saying is that Kinsey is trying to predict from a person's sexual behaviors pre-16 what they're going to do for their education post-17. So we're looking at their pre-sexual data, but their post-educational data. And on page 337, it says the single males who have the lowest frequency of sexual outlet are those who belong to the college level. So the less sex that they have, if that's masturbation or with other people, the more likely there's higher education in the person's future yeah and who's to say you know i mean i mean is that the prediction of the geek right you know before the geek was an actual word you know that (laughs) a more repressed maybe heady cerebral kind of kid is more likely and and maybe that means sexually repressed i don't know that we know that that doesn't go across the board but maybe that's what he was saying you know he could predict it and i 
suppose if you, yes, if you took his whole, his whole interview process, you know, those applications, when they would interview people, they would, you know, get everything from, you know, how many hairs stand up on the back of your head, you know? So Mm -hmm. they were getting so much information that, yeah, I would think that his interview process would be in general could be a pretty good predictor of whether that particular person is going to go to college or not. Oh, Um, I think it's very valid for the time. Yeah. And I wonder too, if it's what, what you're calling that geek factor, this idea that if you aren't having, um, outside sexual partners and you are experiencing more wet dreams because there isn't that outlet or you are masturbating more, right? Because it's saying 100% of males who experience wet dreams went to college. That's amazing to me. Yeah, that's that's Compared to 86% who went to high school and 75% who went to grade school. So if we factor all of that in, yeah, I, I believe that it was the case for the time, but now it would be fascinating to do yeah. a similar study and see yeah. if it has any relevance. Yeah, exactly. Have you That's been funny. to the Kinsey Institute? I have not. Me I neither. have yet to be there. I really yeah. want to go. I want to see, I mean, this was 10 years ago, but I heard that um, the last living person who knows how to decode the data sheets from his right. research was right. alive I don't know yeah. if they're still alive, but I really want to go before they pass away. And yeah, there's put just a handful uh, They got personally taught, you know, from him and his colleagues and stuff like that. But I, I think they have passed on some of oh, the, no. <clears throat> some of the uh, techniques. But, you know, I mean, that was one of the greatest uh, contributions is, you know, the way in which they learn to... Um, really do a good interview and get people to be honest and authentic, even with these very uncomfortable, what can be very uncomfortable topics to quote unquote confess to, you know, what you actually do when it comes to sexuality and stuff like that. Do you think that Kinsey's college test applies to your experience, given that you have your doctorate? (laughs) Does that mean uh, that you, were, you had a childhood full of wet dreams? <laughs> you know, I only had a couple of wet dreams. Um, and one time, um, here, we, here we go. We're going to go for the. Um, and one time I woke up and I looked down and I felt something wet. And I looked down and I had a, a big old um, blood stain on my underwear. Blood. And yeah, and uh, talk about freaking me out. And, um, you know, my mom ran me to the doctor and we couldn't really find anything wrong. All that we all that we could really find is most likely because I woke up on my belly. Mm-hmm. Most likely I had a hard on. I had a wet dream. And, you know, y- your penis is a little your penis, my penis, guys, penises. Or if you have a penis, um, those penises trying to get the language right, you know, um, those are like little, little blood balloons and um, the urethra can pop a pop a hole. Or if there's a lot of pressure in there, I probably tore something and it can bleed out quite rapidly because it's a little blood balloon. And, um, 
and and I've had some scar tissue in my urethra at times, so that's probably all it was. We they couldn't, you know, they didn't find anything and anything wrong, or they didn't find anything in my urine or anything like that. But you know, I can't panic a sixteen year old. Luckily, it did not. Um, it did not make any like horrible. Uh, uh, shame translation like oh my god god is punishing me for you know mm-hmm. um he's making my dick bleed because i you know had a wet dream or it was never like that and so that's that's a good thing that is good yeah i mean i got that plenty of other sources but <laughs> in this particular experience somehow in our house when it dropped to like a medical purpose it became very morally neutral um which um was a good thing that is yeah. a good thing. Was it not morally yeah. neutral outside of medicine? Um, oh yeah, you know, I had I had um, um, some really uh, traumatic um, experiences around the idea of masturbation. One one situation, um, it kind of just happened. I don't think any of us intended it, but um, my parents kind of kind of cornered me in their bedroom. Uh, until I confessed that I masturbated and then they proceeded to just, you know, you shouldn't do that and all that bullshit. Uh, I was in a very religious upbringing. And, and then like a year and a half later, I came into the house and caught my dad masturbating. So there was, there was an end to that. At least, at least I could put my foot down and, uh, at the end of high school and, you know, look my dad in the eye and say, you don't get to say any of that to me anymore. And, um, um, but yeah, it, 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 it left, it left a long time wound more about trust and feeling, um, that my privacy was violated more than it ever, you know, I was a bit of a rebel and, um, <laughs> behind the scenes, not to my parents' face, mind you, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, if they said don't masturbate, that just is motivation. I'm going to do it all the more, you know, screw them. But the, the cornering me in their bedroom and then for them, you, you know, they were kind of like, Oh, you can tell us it's okay. It's all right. And it kind of whittled down even to just being my dad and my dad saying, look, I won't even tell your mom, which I knew was all bullshit. But the second I finally confessed it, um, he didn't give me any new information, right? It was the same old blah, you know, same old, Oh, every guy does it once in a while. You should just try not to do it kind of bullshit. And then he left the room and like 20 seconds later, my mom comes running in. Oh, we knew that's what was happening. You know, we did, we just wanted to be, and I let him have it. And I'm just like, thank you very much. You gave me no information. I hope you feel good about yourself because this whole thing has made me feel like shit. And, um, and I I must say that was probably the last time I ever trusted my parents on anything. And that's the wound. That's the wound that I had, um, you know, it wasn't so much about how masturbation is bad because I, I knew enough information about sexuality that I knew that wasn't the case. It was more about um, why would my parents have to dig this thing out of me um, and f- make me feel overexposed, except for that they're, they were kind of overprotective and... and um, um, you know, uh, it was their way to control their household is like knowing every 
freaking detail about their kids. And, and, um, um, my, my brother and sister, you know, felt that kind of, um, um, overprotection as well. Uh, I mean, you know, it was no doubt from a place of love, but still it was suffocating, you know? Yeah. Wow. How did we go here? Oh, oh, therapist <laughs> of mine. <laughs> I mean, it's very powerful to hear your story, have some compassion for your parents and understand probably where they're coming from, but also, uh, self-respect of like yeah and i don't have to engage in that behavior anymore or, yeah. th- or those lies and i yeah. can stand up for myself so that's huge yeah i mean granted i did the about face and uh um you know once i got to college and realized that all my fantasies were about men rather than women i dove headlong into the whole ex-gay you know, ministry conversion therapy stuff back when it was, um, you know, in its infancy, just getting started. And, um, um, that was pretty, that was pretty, um, that was a lot more damaging than, than anything my parents had done because, um, uh, they were kind of using, uh, their authority was God Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that ranked higher than my parents, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I live with my parents. I could, I knew their bullshit, <laughs> but, um, you know, God, oh my gosh, you know, and it was very, uh, yeah, I was very religious at the time. So, um, I kind of, um, bought in to this environment who, that promised to make me straight and, uh, um, it ended up being a very cult environment, and that's kind of the point of my book is that everything that you find out about the ex-gay uh, movement and the conversion therapy, so-called conversion therapy movement, um, is is really uh, just point for point. It's really kind of a cultic brainwashing environment. They have no therapy. Um, they're, they're only... Um, authority is not a therapeutic process. It is, it is, you know, what God is happens to be telling the leadership at the moment and people who don't know they have options, especially back then, you know, there was no internet, there was no books out about, um, you know, spirituality and sexuality. Um, so, um, you know, they were the only, they were the only people holding the answer, you know, in some ways, especially for people who grew up in the church. And so people would literally come from all around the world and put all their faith and all their power in these people's hands. And, um, it will screw you up. <laughs> and, mm. you know, I, I, people don't really understand the, the cult like environment. I mean, I believe they could do what they said they could do. And when you put that kind of trust in someone, you know, if they had said that the grass was purple, I would doubt my eyes before I would doubt what they were saying. That was, that was the kind of cultic environment that it was in. And there was no questioning, you know, there was no, you know, healthy curiosity or anything like that. Um, I just had to get changed. And some of these people, you know, parents had sent them and paid these ministries money and basically said, don't come home unless you're straight. And, um, and I have to be careful because I'll get all emotional, but um, I stuck with it for about 12, uh, about eight months. And um, 
I was beginning to kind of see the, you know, the little man behind the curtains and, and that little man was not straight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even the leadership would get up and in, in churches and ask for money and say, this is what God is doing. But in, then in privacy, they would tell us, Oh, you have to pray for me because, you know, for me to, for me to satisfy my wife, I have to fantasize about men. And I was like, not even the leadership sounds like they're, straight. And, uh, and so then a, um, someone who was working the system disappeared and found out a few weeks later, he committed suicide. And, uh, so that was a real wake up call for me. And, um, so I just began to kind of back off and distance myself. Um, how far do you want me to go? (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) it's very emotional to hear. Yeah. And, um, the great thing also was that, that I backed up at right at a summer. I was at a Christian college. And so for that summer, I kind of decided, look, God, if, if this is, if this is how my life is going to look, you know, all this suffering and all this work for little, little reward, I have got to know how the other half lives for my own peace of mind. And I stepped into the gay community. I kind of put God on a shelf, so to speak. And I, I stepped into the gay. I had my summer of love. And, oh, um, and uh, you know, I experimented. I had a great time. But, you know, I had been told that they were all going to be like, you know, drug addicts and, you know, the devil's going to possess you and you're going to be in the gutter. And, and um, I met some of the most loving unconditional Christian people in that gay community. And it blew my mind. It was like, wait, this is not supposed to be happening. Mm -hmm. And yet I felt God's presence, so to speak, that summer when I'm, you know, off having sex with the guys at the new beach, I felt God's unconditional acceptance more that summer than I had ever in the ex-gay ministry. And that totally blew my mind. And I just began to realize, oh, if, if I have this part m- misunderstood, if this, if, if my perspective is, um, you know, inaccurate about this, oh my gosh, what other things, you know, are inaccurate about, you know, what I have been told. And so, in some ways, I joke that the ex-gay ministry is the reason I became a sexologist. <laughs> and it's true. Um, so, there you go. Wind me up and let me go. Just uh, And I'll just keep talking. <laughs> it's like uh, Havelock Ellis and how he was told that because of his nocturnal emissions um, that he was going to die. Yeah. And then he started tracking it as an inquisitive person and realized that, Oh, he didn't, he didn't (laughs) die. He didn't go blind. He wasn't insane. Nothing happened. And so he dedicated the rest of his life to studying sexuality so he could prevent other people from the same despair. That reminds me of your story. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. You know, um, I, I, I'll, I'll always remember, uh, Ted McElvana, the founder of the Institute, um, who, you know, who said back in the sixties, um, it's not so much people have a problem with homosexuality. It's that people have a problem with sexuality in general. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that made so much sense to me that, you know, um, I feel the call too. And I, I want to educate people, 
about what a healthy sense of sexuality is all about. So how are you doing that these days? Um, well, I have private practice and um, um, I, I get teaching jobs every so often. I did just do a, a, a run at University of Nevada, Reno, um, doing their advanced sex ed class for junior seniors who are going into med school, nursing, psychology degrees, things like that. Hundred students. That was a blast and a half. Talking about talking about seeing what college students are doing. Wow. And um uh I'm I'm working on my next book, which is about um kind of my take on what it means to be a healthy sexual being. Mm-hmm. And um uh, I'm having a blast right now and I'm really enjoying it. We'll see what happens. Um, um, but yeah, um, mostly, you know, the bread and butter is seeing clients, um, um, whether that is done, whether that's just talk therapy mm-hmm. or, um, or if, um, uh, if they're couples, you know, I always send them home with homework and, uh, hopefully do they do the fun and sexy homework? Um, cause that's really where, you know, we, we can talk all we want and think all we want about sex. And even though that's a, an important component, you know, the fun part is in the doing. And mm-hmm. um, um, so I, I'm trained and feel good about if, if someone needs to be taught technique or someone needs to be taught skills on how to be intimate. And I'm, and I'm talking about the actual experience of intimacy. I'm not using that as a code word for sex. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 or if there's technique in sex, um, 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 I, I'm trained and feel good that from my, um, from my full cup of sexual energy, um, I can share those experiences and that's really where the rewarding stuff is. Um, yes, that technically might be called illegal behavior, but, um, 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 I, um, I feel called to do it. I'm trained to do it. Um, it's all extremely, uh, consensual. Uh, I'm trained to work with, um, people who have, uh, sexual trauma and, uh, people who have, um, who have disabilities that make it very difficult for them to, uh, be, uh, to even, even like give facial signals or hand signals or be able to even masturbate mm-hmm. because their physical disability is, is, um, keeping them from it. And so to provide a safe space for them to explore, some of these people have never been able to, um, um, connect with another person, um, sexually or intimately. Um, um, it is an honor to provide safe space for them to experience it. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about, uh, on sex explanations, YouTube channels, sex work and sex surrogacy and, um, sex, sexual healers, you know, the whole gamut of professions around that service. And I hope that by this time, the audience understands that, uh, just because politically there is a stance on it doesn't mean that, ethically or professionally there is anything wrong with it so thank you for your service and sure uh, my pleasure yeah. 
And, you know, I, I think the standard in our society is so silly because any other aspect of life, if you wanted to learn a skill or if you wanted to learn how to become good at something, what are you going to do? You're going to practice it. You probably would even, you know, if you want to learn to play the piano, you can do that by yourself. You can do that. But, oh, my gosh, how much easier is it to learn from someone who knows how to play the piano? <laughs> we were uh, thinking of the same exact analogy. I was like, piano teacher. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you can do it. With, you can say basketball. It's just that simple. And yet when we come to sexuality, we're like, oh my God, you know, and um, it just kind of points out the sexual shame that we carry so much. Um, uh, uh, and then I do retreats and, um, um, la- I, I want to tell you this because you'll love this. Um, last week we had our sixth cock summit. Um, Ooh, I, I, I love the name. <laughs> yes, I do too. Um, I've been working with a website called baitworld.com and it's, it's, it's a, um, site specifically for people who enjoy masturbation. Ooh, I think there's going to be a theme to our time today. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it is, um, uh, it's not so much just a porn site as it is a, we joke that it's a, um, it's a social networking site for masturbators. And I know that sounds a little funny, but, um, um, I have met, uh, baiters, um, from all over the world and, um, people that have felt so isolated, um, and felt, um, so ashamed Mm -hmm. that their primary sexual outlet is their own hand. And, um, they have found community on this site. They have, um, they've interacted. They've found relationship on this site. Um, bait world has kind of been the, um, percolator for the whole idea of solo sexuality. Have have you, have you done this? So cool. Yeah. I don't think it was birthed there. I don't think the term came out of there, but it has certainly grown up there. And, um, um, that, that sure. We like to have sex with other people, but to be honest, um, there's a group of people that, feels and enjoys most sex with themselves and they tend to call themselves solo sexuals um and they're more likely uh, to go to college (laughs) what and i said and they're more likely to go to college (laughs) indeed that's what kinsey says (laughs) um but i finally went to them and said you know you guys are having so i mean i've had amazing you know they have cams on the side so you can see each other if you want and people masturbating stuff like that but i've had so many positive experiences on these sites that um I said, your next step is really to kind of have a conference or a retreat or something. And they said, go right ahead. And I'm like, oh, you said the right thing. So we've had six. We've had two a year for three years now. And I cannot tell you, 40 guys got together last weekend. And I cannot tell you the transformation, the the joy and the healing that these guys went home with. And and some of these guys are married uh, to women. Some of these guys are straight. Most of them are gay. Most of them like cock. And um, I, I think all of them like cock, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean a gay. But, um, um, and... Uh, all shapes and sizes. We had people from their twenties to their eighties. And, 
Um, you know, with, and, and most of the weekend is kind of, you know, do whatever you want, but to, to kind of open, open it up with ritual, to close it with ritual, um, and to make sure that people know that how they do their thing is exactly the way they should. And we will accept and support them. The, the healing is, um, palpable and it's beautiful and i love it <laughs> it's cock retreat cock con cock, cock summit cock, cock summit, summit. Cock <laughs> summit. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and this happens twice a year so um, people listening can yeah come. <laughs> yeah so to speak <laughs> you get all the jokes in there um um, yes, at this point we're doing it twice a year. We've we found kind of a perfect environment. We'd love to do it other places, but you know, finding like a retreat center that is okay with a bunch of guys masturbating all weekend is few and far between. Um, so, if any of your listeners know of a place that might you know might be ideal, that would be that would be wonderful. Because the East Coast is always saying, "Oh, why don't you have one out there?" And I've looked and it's hard, it's hard to find. It is really hard to find. So, um, I'm not sure what they, what retreat centers think is going to happen or, you know, irrecreable, if I can say it, um, stains. I don't know. I don't know what they're concerned about. We cover everything. What's so funny is that that happens. Anyway, you're just being up front with it. (laughs) We're just being up front. Exactly. And then they could say, okay, we would like you to put your fluids here or, you know, not be naked on these furniture items. But otherwise people just do it and then they don't know. Right. Exactly. It's crazy. Oops. So there you go. Wow. Congratulations. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. It feels really, really good. And I've got, I've got little little uh, 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 roadies that guys that have gone to every single summit and um, they really support me. And then they support the newbies that come for the first time who are petrified. And so it becomes this wonderful, wonderful community. Um, And, and we have uh, sexual pleasure and our cocks as the focus. It's wonderful. Mm, Now I want to have, uh, like cunt summit or cunt con or yes like that. oh cunt con i like it <laughs> I, th- I i think it's only i mean you know i've been doing orgasmic yoga uh groups um every so often as well because and and that's basically a a circle jerk with co-ed people there it, that's a real brash way of saying it but um um and um uh, it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. amazing to to see uh, to have that female energy in the room, but everybody pleasuring themselves. Nobody's touching anybody else. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. wow, it's just it's it's so. I mean, it, you just see and realize how tangible and how healing sexual energy can be when you generate it in yourself without shame and with a group of people who totally accept you because they're doing the exact same thing. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful and so powerful. Now I'm Um, cataloging times when I have masturbated with others. I don't know that I've ever done it in what I would consider public I've, I would like race with friends who weren't partners or I would do it with partners, but right. I can't think of a, right. 
a big public outing for masturbation. You would be the one to ask, what do you think is the official uh, masturbation day? Because it's listed as different dates. And I I want to know from you what you consider it to be. The date you mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I like think international day of masturbation. Yeah. 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 Wasn't it? I, 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 I'm not good with dates, but I think it was like the 25th or something like that of May. And then okay. it expanded to a month, but it was always in May. It might be May, May 1st, May 11th. I don't know. Okay. I just celebrated all, all the month of May. <laughs> <laughs> I celebrated all, all year actually, but you know, yeah. Um, um, I, yeah, you know, I saw some information about that. Um, um, uh, I and a few others did a whole a whole series of videos on um, on uh, masturbation month a couple years ago, and I got that research, but I can't quite remember what it was. Something tells me it's kind of like around the tenth or eleventh, like coming out day is like it's the tenth or eleventh. But then I remember like the twenty fifth for some reason. I think it's the twenty fifth too. Okay, <laughs> then but it I'll is. look it up and I'll put it in the description of the podcast. Sure. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. You want to do kegels with me? Yes, please. Main squeeze, squeeze it good. Do you pronounce it kegels or kegels? I say kegels. Do you have a specific way that you coach doing them? Um, um, not really. I mean, pretty straightforward. I, I, for, for guys, mostly I, I just tell them it's like when you, um, yeah, I guess I do have a specific way. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> um, give it, please. Um, I, you know, guys with their sphincter and their their prostate, for the most part, they hold a lot of that stuff down there tight already. You know, to say hold to to squeeze, they almost don't have anywhere to go. So um, um, I tell them to squeeze, like you know, like you have to go to the bathroom and you, you kind of hold it. Mm-hmm. But then I really emphasize the relaxation. Mm-hmm. So, cause I think guys can squeeze just, you know, at the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. it's the relaxing, it's being okay to breathe out and, um, really feel your sphincter relax, really feel your prostate relax, really feel like if you had to pee, it, it'd fall right out. That's a very <laughs> scary thing for guys. I mean, I'm sure it's scary for women too, but um, so I always say squeeze, but then give some time to the relaxation and let you really let your body feel it and then squeeze and then, you know, exhale nice and nice and long and always kind of feel the relax more than you feel the squeeze. Cause we can do the squeeze without thinking. Does that make sense? Yes. I just followed you, but if you want to lead an official coaching session, <laughs> go for it. How many are we going to do? <laughs> uh, I usually do eight to 10. Okay. So you're going to sit nice and comfortable wherever you're at. Um, and um, as you inhale, you're going to squeeze and then you're going to relax and you're really going to feel and think oh, all those muscles around your body, around your sphincter, around your crotch and between your legs. They're all going to relax. Even your lower back, relax. And squeeze and relax. Let it all go. Yeah, it's worth relaxing. Good. And squeeze and exhale. 
Yummy. That's the pleasures. Relaxing. And squeeze. And relax. Exhale. And squeeze. We'll do it two more, three more times. And relax. Notice your sphincter. Yeah. And squeeze. And relax. Exhale all the way. Two more. We're going to breathe in all completely. Fill our lungs. Squeeze. And relax. All the way down to your butt. All the way down to your toes. And now inhale. Squeeze. And relax. All the way. And one last time. Inhale all the way. Squeeze. Nice and tight. Nice and tight. Nice and tight. And relax it all. Yummy. <laughs> That's and wonderful. You, and you, you know, you don't have to necessarily do all your kegels that way. But, oh, to really emphasize and feel the relaxation can help help you de-stress actually and do kegels at the same time yeah put a towel underneath you if you plan to <laughs> yes indeed yes indeed no fear it's all good yeah. it was actually yeah. making me think about these illustrations that you did while we were in school <laughs> genitals except yeah. instead of i think instead of labeling the parts with their reproductive functions, you had labeled them with their pleasure functions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so exactly. I, I was imagining those. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're so yeah, talented, I, Jalen. Oh, thanks. She was. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, the, those kegels, you know, even though there are, you know, there's some different muscles going on between, between uh, male genital and, male labeled genitals and female labeled genitals. Um, I still, um, find, um, especially for guys who have prostate surgery and have their prostate removed, you know, they've got to learn to pee and hold their pee a whole different way. So doing those really, um, doing your kegels mindfully or consciously aware of how the different muscles kind of squeeze together is really, really helpful. Nice. Yeah, I recently found out that one in nine people with a prostate will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. That's astounding to me. It is. It is. I'm. I. I. You know. I'm in Palm Springs, so a lot of my clientele is, are older, retired guys, and um, I have a regular, <laughs> a regular stream. <laughs> I have a regular uh, uh, set of men who come through. You know having to understand orgasm and sexuality on a whole new level because that organ that, you know, propelled their orgasms um, and their ejaculation for decades is no longer there. And um, believe it or not, I have some who experience more full body orgasms like never before after they've gotten rid of their prostate. Um, wow which says something, you know, it says something. Sometimes I think us guys are probably a little too hooked or connected to our prostates to um, realize that, um, you know, our whole body can have an orgasm and you know, it's important to experience. Yeah. It says contact Dr. Jalen Ricks at drricks.com to get your very own session and learn how to have full body orgasms. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, do it. Oh my goodness. And your book and and your new book that's coming out. Yeah. So that, 
That'll be another year or two, but we're working on it. I'm about halfway through the first draft, and that's very exciting. Do you have some sexter credit for us? Assignments are not always bad, so here's some sextra credit. I do, I do, and I so appreciate you letting me do it. Uh, some a, a survey that I have put out for the book is um, is on my site, and I've given you the the link. And it's just a it's a very easy homework because it's just like two questions, and it only takes a minute to do. But um, I am curious about people's first time sexual experiences, and I'm curious about whether it was a positive or negative experience or on some kind of spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, or, you know, kind of half and half. But I'm uh, mostly curious whether your first time experience was with someone who is also a first timer or if they were more experienced. And I'm curious to find out if um, people who are more experienced are giving first timers more a more positive experience than say someone who doesn't know what to do their first time does that make sense yeah it's a little complicated it seems I, like you're gonna have some fun with qualitative data yes as well yes yes at this point i'm just getting the answers just getting the answers okay. but um or just the the numbers but yes i um i'm um you know i believe that all of us are sexual role models, um, regardless of whether you think you're good at it or not. We, we, people are watching us, especially in this day and age. And we don't know when people are gathering information and understanding about our sexuality. And, and, you know, we see that even when parents are unwilling or awkward to talk about sex to their kids, what does that what, what is the lasting memory the kids have? Mm-hmm. Oh, sex is awkward because mom and dad were awkward about sex. We are all sexual role models, and especially those people who happen to find themselves with someone who um, is having an experience for the first time. I think there's so much we could do. And, you know, I guess it's important to me because I work with a lot of people who are first-timers. Mm-hmm. And you're there experience that first time experience is in your in my hands and um i want that to be the most amazing thing that they could possibly have Aww. and so i'm curious to i'm curious to see how if if perhaps well and one of the things that i've seen i've done this survey before one thing that i've seen is you can also say i don't know if the person was a first timer or an experienced, and it's fascinating because that group, that group who doesn't know, doesn't remember, or didn't have the information, that group has more negative experiences than any other group, which I think is fascinating. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean the communication wasn't there. Right, right. So, so there's something to it that I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to get more information about. I like it, Jalen. I'll do my Thank homework. You. My sex. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we'll Thank put you. the link and then I'll also send it out on on all the social medias because I I'm curious too. Cool. That'd be wonderful. That would be so wonderful. Thanks for Thank being you. on the podcast and again. <laughs> As always, my pleasure. Love to do it again. Love Thank hanging you. out with you. Oh. Love having you listen yes. to me talk. <laughs> let's, let's do it again. It's great. I I yes, please feeling very 
uh, what's the word, like tender and grateful that you shared so much of your personal experience and that you're out there doing what you do professionally. It's a, a very special combination. Thank you, you so are much. For sure, a role model for me in all of the positive ways. And I think that I do what I do because you had a, an inspiring effect on my life. So thank you. I'm so honored. Thank you. So now we say, cool. and Cora and Paro, I'm still learning. <laughs>